Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So this morning we've got a great honor. Uh, so, you know, Honor Bound is the National Motorcycle Ministry of the Assemblies of God. It's ours. It's a church-based motorcycle ministry. It's not a club. It's a ministry. And it was started by several of our missionaries and uh, one, of the, one of the godfathers of Honorbound. We got one of the originals here in Curtis, but one of the other godfathers, we kind of call them, is Dwayne and Janet Greider. They've been doing this a long time. They're young still, but they've been doing this a long time. So, <laughs> but uh, these guys are incredible friends of Calvary. Incredible uh, servants. So would you give a big Calvary welcome to uh, Dwayne and Janet Greider this morning? So is this on? Thank you, thank you. Um, not a godfather. I don't even know how to do that Godfather voice. I don't know how to do that. But I, but I do remember a day when it was me, Curtis, and Keith that kind of formed this little reunion of, it was already founded by Russ Cockrum, and, and God just kind of used that threesome to kind of, and, and I remember we, had, we were all rained out in Daytona, was trying to get things started, each one was kind of doing stuff, and there were things that were hindering us and stuff, and God just made a bond there. And Curtis sent us all that, that little picture. You know, everybody, we didn't do a lot of pictures on, on our phones back then, but he sent this little picture of a three-chord strand. And, and God used that to build a lot of what we see in today, and so we're thankful for that. Every time I come and I see Don Mastin playing the horn, it draws me back, back, back in the day, oh, 40 years ago, uh, Don, myself, and a couple others played saxophone. We had a, a soprano, an alto, a tenor, and a baritone. There were 12 musicians on the platform. But what I go back to in my thoughts is I remember times when, you, don't you love those times when worship just kind of envelopes the church? And the praise and worship team, they're no longer singing the song that they had, but they're just singing a song to the Lord. And the musician, there were 12 musicians on that platform, and it was amazing how they would just start worshiping with their instruments. And they were playing what, what Scripture calls a new song. And, and I just, and Don was part of that, when, and so was I. And, and just, it takes me back to those days of worship. And I, 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 love, I love remembering how you worship because it inspires me to worship now. Does that make sense? So anyhow, that was a freebie. Normally, my freebies cost you something, so that was easy, wasn't that, right there? Uh, anyhow, uh, we talked a little bit about, honor. most of you guys know about Honorbound. Got a lot of Honorbound people here. I'd like to go, instead of just talking a whole lot about it, uh, I'd like to go right into the Word. Is that all right with you? I, I, believe, I believe God's given me a message, and I'd like to share some things. And, and in fact, the reason why I want to go into it is because I have two openings. And two closings, if everything works right, okay? Well, so y'all, y'all probably seen your pastor do that before, haven't you? And in closing, and, and you're like, that wasn't it, was it? And he comes back later with enclosing. So I'm just telling you up front, I'm going to close twice. So that'll, that'll help you where you won't get confused when you hear that first closing. You'll know, well, there's another one coming. 
So I promise you there'll only be two closings, I think. So there we, there we go. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, just want, I just want to talk about, you know, we, we deal with stuff and we live in a world right now, and especially since 2020, uh, we, when everybody got locked down and everything went haywire and things happened in this country that we never dreamed would have happened and, and, and a lot of people being locked down and shut down into their homes, uh, farmers didn't have that, did they? They still had to get out and work. But, but, uh, but a lot of people ended up at home and they started going back to some dark places and some of the old sins started kind of resurrecting their mind. Haven't you realized that our, our biggest warfare isn't with someone else? Our biggest warfare is right up here. It's, this, is where, this is where we get discouraged. This is where we get tempted. This is where lust grows. This is where all kinds of things happen. And so people started finding themselves shut in. And, and, and one of the things that came out of it was a beautiful thing. We record our services now. We put them out on the, line, on, on the Internet. It's a, I hope churches don't stop doing that. I hope everybody gets back into church. But I hope we don't stop, stop doing that. Because one of the things I've had happen in my ministry was a lot of guys that never went to church started watching that. And what they started seeing broadcast were actual pastors of actual churches bringing a pastor's heart and a pastor's message to the church rather than just hearing what some television preacher says. I am not a fan of television preachers. I'm a fan of pastors in a local church. And so they started, and so I would get phone calls from guys and they would tell me, said, I saw this preacher on Facebook. Man, who thought we'd ever hear that, right? <laughs> I saw this preacher on Facebook and he said, is that true? Yeah, it's actually in the Bible. Really? And so they're hearing the word of God. So I hope our churches don't, don't start because their churches fill up again. Don't, don't stop doing that because you're reaching people beyond what you could imagine. You're reaching people. And, and so thank you for doing that with your church. But, but, but we, and we need to get back into the church. We need to get involved. And so, uh, but, but some of those things that we're struggling with and, and, and they're, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, all these different things that people struggle with, sometimes the answer is, is a lot simpler, but it's unexpected from what we think. We think, you know, pray, we'll do all these things, but sometimes the answers are a lot different. You know, don't you have some answers that are, you see things different? I'm thinking, it's cold up here. I don't, I don't, I don't do cold. I need answers for cold, okay? And, and so, and my feet, when your feet get cold, is, is there anything more miserable than a cold foot? Your feet get cold and it's just, it's freezing. And, and one of the things I, I learned about to get your feet warm, and some of you ball guys, y'all really know this. If your feet, one of the best things you can do is to cover, you put a hat on and a scarf around your neck. You lose 30% of the, of the heat out of your body, out of the top of your head and the back of your neck. So you will keep your feet warmer. Isn't it crazy? You'll keep your feet warmer by, by a scarf around your neck. And, and sometimes I live, I live in the desert. You'll also keep yourself cooler with a wet cloth. So I wear, I wear a bandana when I ride year-round. In the wintertime, I wear it because it'll, it'll kind of keep my neck warmer. And in the summertime, every time I stop, I'll wet that, that thing down and put it back on my neck. And you get back on the road and that wet and the, the air kind of cools. So it's just unexpected that something that's hurting me down here can be helped up here. And, 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 and I want to share with you something in the same way that when we grow spiritually cold, 
often some things that we overlook in a, in a very simple solution. I mean, it's so simple to put something on your head, but, but something even in the spiritual realm that doesn't seem spiritual enough. We, we measure things by spiritual, certain things are more spiritual than others. You know, if you read in your Bible, that's a person who reads their Bible daily, that's, that's very spiritual. Praying daily is very spiritual. But I'm, I'm here to tell you those things, and we need to do these, but I believe there's something that's even better that helps us, and it's simple that helps us to do what we need. And I believe this, to really get spiritually warm, and I believe this with all my heart, to really get spiritually warm, you need to be faithful to the local church. I just, I just really believe that. Some, part of what Honor Bound is built on, we are a church-based ministry. There's a lot of ministries out there that are not. And, and some people will argue about it. And, but if you're not faithful to the local church, you will grow spiritually cold. But if you will be faithful to the local church, it's not, it's not just what the pastor says. It's not just what, what happens during the worship time. It's this. It's this family. It's, this, it's being a part of that family that will, that will bring you to that, that closeness. If I can keep this on. Uh, it, it, you will build your spiritual warmth through fellowship. And then you also have that other part, which is iron sharpens iron. That's how we grow. That's how we overcome. So it's how you, when you, when you, ha when you have someone that you're close enough to, that you can divulge to them and you feel safe because you're family, that I can talk to you about my problems and you can hold me accountable as I work through. That's how you overcome in the church. The church is an important part of our victory. God didn't, God didn't make us to be out on our own. I, he just didn't. He made us to be part of a body. That's why often in the scripture he doesn't refer, he refers to the church as a body, but it's a family. It's a family, and so the, the message, but the message I have today, if I gave it a title, I would call it Friends of the Family, which is different than being part of the family. I'm, I'm going to read in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. If you don't mind, could we stand up and just give honor to God's word while we read this passage, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go through the message. It says this, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the do apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done throughout the, through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Father, we just ask that today you would hide your messenger behind the cross. Lord, that we might hear the words that you're trying to speak to us today through this passage. Lord, that we might be encouraged and we might grow in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. They said they continued steadfastly. They, and, and I'm going to add this. I think they continued steadfastly in church attendance. Church attendance is important, folks. 
We need to come together. We need this gathering. And it says they continued steadfastly so that it's not a haphazard as uh, we'll go to church if we think about it or we'll go to church if we have time or we'll go to church if nothing else is pressing right now. They continued steadfastly. It actually, it, it says in the ESV, it says they were devoted. It literally, it means to be constantly diligent, constantly diligent. They were, they were aware, they were planning, they wanted to be a part of it. Fellowship was important. And these things weren't taken lightly or done sporadically. Uh, they were something that they consistently did. Now, I grew up that way. How many of you grew up in church? I, I, I grew up in church where you went to church every time the doors were open. We, I never got, got up on Sunday morning and, and, and heard my mom ask my dad, are we going to church? <laughs> it, it, just, it was who we are. It was who we are. It, it, it wasn't a drudgery. It was who we are. We went to learn and we went to be taught. And that's the thing that said they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Now, I hear people all the time saying, you know, I don't hear no doctrine. I just want, I just got a relationship with Jesus. We don't do that doctrine stuff. Yes, you do. The word doctrine just means teaching. Uh, we are disciples. If you notice on the back of all the honor bound guys on, our, on the back of our patches, it says, disciples of Jesus Christ. I love that. Disciples of Jesus Christ, because that's what Christians are. You see, they weren't originally called, uh, they weren't originally called Christians. Uh, they were called the disciples of Christ, or they were called disciples of the way. But the word disciples, well, we were students. In fact, in Antioch, it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Christian is just a name for a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're students. At the moment you get saved, you become a student and you begin to learn how to live. You learn how to minister. You learn how to do those things. In Ephesians chapter 4, we learn that, that one of the biggest roles of your pastor isn't to do the work of the ministry, but to teach you doctrine, give you the doctrine that equips you to do the work of the ministry, right? They continued in that. They were steadfast. They were part, participating in the, in the apostles' doctrine. They continued to be taught. Being saved is not the end, the, the end of everything. You, you don't get saved and everything's over. It's a beginning, and it's a beginning time of learning and growing and being a part of it. They continued to be taught, and, and part of the evidence of, of their conversion was a desire to be taught. When you get saved, you'll want to know more. You'll want to know more. And so, and so they got together and they attended the preaching of the gospel. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wonder about a person who professes to be a Christian who doesn't want to be taught. I, I'm still learning. I, are you still learning, Pastor? Are you still learning, Curtis? I mean, we're still in, we're still in that place where we're learning and we're, we're growing. I don't want to get to that place to where I think I know it all. I'm in danger when I do. I'm still learning. God's still, I'm still, I still sometimes, I'll pick up the Bible and be reading something. And, 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 and I read through the Bible every year. I've done that for, for a long, long time that I read through the Bible. And I can't tell you the number of times that I still read through the Bible and I'll see something and I go, hey, wait a minute. What are you trying to say here, Jesus? And, and he starts teaching me. Or I'll hear somebody that gets up in a pulpit and they start, they use a passage, and they start sharing out of that passage, and I'm, and I sometimes have to go, wait, I've, I've even been guilty, and I'm sure none of the rest of y'all, I've got a commentary on my phone, and I've looked at, 
Well, that is true, isn't it? You know, and then and and I start learning and I listen. Right? We should be, we should always want to, be, and that's part of what we get when we come together. Folks, that's how we overcome. We grow in knowledge. It helps us to overcome the enemy. And, and so how you want to know how often they met? It said they continued daily in church. You know how often they met? They met at nine o'clock in the morning and three in the afternoon every day, because it's when they met. That was their regular meeting hours. Y'all don't do that here, do you? I didn't think so. I didn't see it. But that's when the church regularly met. What we should do is when your church regularly meets, whether it's Sunday school, and I, I love Sunday school. That's a great place for instruction. Shame on us for, for getting rid of Sunday school in a lot of places. Our kids are not taught at all. We don't do Sunday school. We don't do children's church. And it's, it's getting to be a mess. We need instruction for our kids, but we need instruction for us. And it's usually Sunday school, there's some time for interaction where you can ask questions. But whatever time your church comes together, you ought to be here. You ought to participate. When they have a prayer night, uh, praying for rain, you better, you should be here praying for rain, right? I mean, so, but not till we get out of here, because we're on a motorcycle. So <laughs> we appreciate you wait till we get out of here for you to start praying for rain again. Uh, but, but they did this because this is when the church regularly met. They were devoted to coming together. Uh, and, and, and they went because they wanted to learn how to live for God. How do we live out this walk? How do we live out what Jesus taught? How do we know more about what he taught? I'm going to tell you, if you don't go to church, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, someone was telling me, I can't remember who it was this weekend that was telling, talking about somebody who was a preacher and when somebody had financial problems, and they come and ask the pastor to pray for him for financial problems, he'd say, do you tithe? And if they said no, he said, I can't do anything for you. Because you're, you're, already, you're already setting yourself up for failure, right? Well, you, you, you want victory in your life? Start here. I'll pray for you, but start here. Be faithful to the church. God will help you get that victory through the word that you hear preached up here from the fellowship that you have with brothers and sisters and the relationship that you build with family, right? We live in a world now where people don't even know the name of their neighbor, and they also go to churches and don't know the person who sits on the other side of the church every week. We shouldn't do that. We've got a fellowship. They broke bread. They sat and fellowship. My wife Always, her granddad always said, the best fellowship is with his feet under your table. <laughs> I like that. There's some great fellowship. We, we pastored a church one time where the, one of the little boys came and told his mother, said, I like Brother Grider. And she's thinking, well, he's, he's learning something. He's growing spiritually. What, what, what do you like about Brother Grider? She said, we eat all the time. There's something about gathering together at that table that sometimes is just as important as being in here and hearing the word of having those times to where you can, you can sit at the table with somebody. Uh, invite someone. If someone you don't know comes to church, invite them to go eat with you. Maybe even buy their lunch. Or if they're rich, ask them to buy your lunch. Either way, just... <laughs> Just spend some time, spend some time with fellowship where you got some time to get to know one another. You, you, you don't know where all that kind of stuff's going to go. And they, they continued steadfastly in prayer. They prayed for one another. They prayed for guidance. They prayed to know God. They prayed. Uh, uh, Curtis was talking yesterday about uh, how he was, he was talking about talking to God. And, and, he, and he stopped for just a second and he said, 
if God doesn't talk to you like this, get in your Bible and wait for him to talk to you. You know, I'll be honest with you. If you're not having a conversation with God, it's not his fault. He will talk. He says, my sheep know my voice. You'll know when he speaks to you. But you've got to take time. Our prayers shouldn't be of just where we tell him what we want and we walk away. How many of you guys are married? Try this sometime. <laughs> Instead of finding out your wife's opinion about stuff and what they think, say, we're going to have a new policy around here. I'm going to come in and tell you what I want, and you just do it. <laughs> See how that works for you, okay? And, and you do a lot of marriage counseling, right? With It's fixing it. It may escalate, I'm just telling you. So, no, but prayer is a communication where you talk and you, you get, Jesus listens to my concerns, and he tells me sometimes his concerns about me, right? And so they continued in prayer, and that's, that's what prayer is, but, and they, they continued steadily in that personal fellowship. We're... We're a band of brothers. You see that all the time. Uh, up, in the, up in the Northwest, there's an MC called Band of Brothers, and they got a little upset because there was an honor-bound group called themselves Band of Brothers, and they wanted that changed, so we had to. But we're a family. We're brethren. You've got a fellowship with family. You spend time with family. You call family. You check up family. You, you have families back. You break bread from house to house as they did. And, and then the latter part says they provided for one another's needs. And I want to clear something up just a little bit because this, this is so misquoted. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had need. And some people take that and think, well, we sell everything, we move in together, we start a commune. That's not what this is talking about. They did not sell everything because they still had houses. They went from house to house. So they still had the houses. The key to that passage is the, the, that those last four words. It said, as anyone had need. As anyone had need. They, they sold what they had, if they had to, to help someone who had need. Someone who had much might sell, so they helped somebody who didn't. So that's the way family does. Have you ever, have you ever, fathers, have you ever given up anything so that your children could have it? Have you, have you ever given up something so your wife could have something? That's what we do, and that's, that's the principle behind that, but it, that should be an attitude of the church, and, and but it is, so what it is, is, and my explanation is, it's meeting real needs by one another was not a requirement, it was a result of the fellowship and the love that they had for one another. I love my wife. I'll give up a lot of stuff just for her. And, and she does the same thing for me. It's, 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 it's a mutual sacrifice that takes place at times. And we've been married. We just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. 50 years. We were, uh, I, 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 think, I think that means we were 10 when we got married, but I'm not positive something like that. <laughs> And, and what happened with this, kind of, with this kind of family and this kind of fellowship, it says that uh, they had God-given growth, that you know, the church added, was added to daily. 
because people saw that. People are hungry for that. People want that. And I'm going to tell you one of the best witnessing things that you can do in this community is for this church to be a real family. And people on the outside of this church will want to be a part of this family. Amen? My first closing. <laughs> General, General Colin Powell, he wrote something, and he said this. He, he would go around on the speech circuit, and, and this is what he said. He said he, he, said he tells a story of, a, of the heart of, an, of, of the Americans' longing. And he says, uh, ABC correspondent Sam Donaldson was interviewing a young African-American soldier in a tank platoon on the eve of the Battle of Desert Storm. Donaldson asked him, he said, how do you think the battle will go? Are you afraid? The young soldier said this, we'll do okay. We're well trained and I'm not afraid. And then gesturing over to the rest of his bunch, all his buddies, he said, and I'm not afraid because I'm with my family. His buddies looked at him, and you guys that were in the military can just picture this right now. They said, tell him again, he didn't hear you. <laughs> and so he shouted back at the reporter, this is my family, and we'll take care of each other. Colin Powell wrote, and he said, the story never fails to touch me or the audience. He said, it is a metaphor for what we have to do as a nation. We have to start thinking of America as a family. We have to stop screeching at each other, stop hurting each other, and instead start caring for, sacrificing for, and sharing with each other. We have to stop constantly criticizing, which is the way of the malcontent, and instead get back to the can-do attitude that made America. We have to keep trying and risk-failing. In order to solve this country's problems, we cannot move forward if cynics and critics swoop down and pick apart what goes wrong to a point where we lose sight of what is right, decent, and uniquely good about America. And what Powell says about America is something we need to be standing up and saying about the church. We need to be telling people that we have to start thinking of the church again as a family. We need to stop screeching at each other. We need to stop hurting each other. Instead, we need to start caring for, sacrificing for, and sharing for with each other in the church. We have to stop constantly criticizing, which is the way of the malcontent. Instead, we need to get back to an attitude in the church of a can-do attitude that made the church great. We have to keep trying and risk failing. In order to solve the church's problem today, we cannot move forward as cynics and critics stoop down and pick apart anything that goes wrong to a point where we lose sight of what is right, decent, and uniquely good about the church. Amen? We, we, too many have given up on the church today. They've walked away from churches. In the ministry that I do, I can't tell you the number of times where I've sat down to talk to someone who is so far away from God that used to be a part of a church, that used to be part of a church somewhere, and the church didn't treat them like part of the family. Maybe they made this mistake or that mistake, and instead of nurturing and loving them and bringing them back into the fold, they just pushed them away. I've talked to, when, when that shootout that took place in Waco, I was going to several of the people's houses who were helping provide for their families because uh, these guys without a job, their families were hungry. The first family we helped, a little four-year-old girl looked up and said, thank you, mister, now we can go buy food. 
One of the guys that I'm sitting down and talking to, I said, I won't be here this weekend because I've got to go down to South Padre. I'm preaching down there. And the guy told me, tell Pastor Steve hi for me. I said, you know Pastor Steve? And he said, yeah. He said, I used to be his children's church pastor. And this is a mean dude. Maybe you need that in children's church. I don't know. <laughs> He's a mean dude. And so, no, you don't, because I've seen Curtis. He's not mean at all. Those kids love him. And so, uh, but, I mean, I'm, I, I just, how did you wind up where you are now? Because he... He's, he's a bad guy. He really is. And, and, and he said, well, my wife left me. And so they kicked me out. His wife was the one that left him for another guy, and they kicked him out of the church. Folks, we've done that. You don't do that to family. You don't do that to family. You, you, you try to help them get through what they're going through. And so I, I want to tell you, we need, we need to be... We need to make sure that we're family and not just friends of the family. Amen? Closing number two. <laughs> Hopefully this is the last one, right? Uh, the church is a family, folks. The church is a, we are a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We are a church family. And like any family, now, I'm going to tell you this, and some of you are gonna, might disagree with me, so please Give me a little time to explain this out in this second closing. Like any family, you can't choose to be part of this family. You can choose to be a friend of this family, but you can't choose to be a part of this family. You have to be born into it. You have to be born into this family and and, 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 and birth is radical. How many ladies here are mothers? Birth's pretty radical, isn't it, huh? It's pretty radical. How many fathers in the room? We understand birth. We really, we, we, we do. Uh, you know, um, I'm just telling you, I mean, my, I had two children. My wife had extremely long labor, 12 hours with the first one, and so the next one is going to be short. No, 14 with the next one. And, and in fact, with the first one, all these other women are coming in, and it was a common ward, so they'd run me out every time they had a number one. I'd go back, and, and so for, for, these other women coming in, having their babies, they, they got to go to the room. The guy got to sit in the chair and take a nap. <laughs> all night long, I'm sneaking back and forth, going in there. Once they had us walking up and down the hallway. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she was uncomfortable. And I was too. I mean, <laughs> birth is radical. It's, it's a, birth is a difficult thing, right? And, and she finally had the baby. And then, and then we had a second one because our first one was almost angelic. She was, God, God gives you that perfect kid to start with. And they don't stay that way. But, but, <laughs> but they stay that way long enough for you to have the next one. That's how, he, that's how he tricks you into having the next one. So, so, so we're, having, we're, having, we're having the second one, and, 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 and this time I get to be in the delivery room. And so, you know, the natural childbirth, all that, I learned how to breathe. I had to practice. <laughs> I, I learned all that stuff. But I'm telling you, birth is difficult. It's, it's a radical thing that happened. And so we go into the delivery room, and, and we're talking, and and, and, and I'm, I'm, we're talking. She's talking like a normal person at that moment. 
it changed. But at, the, at that moment, she's talking like a normal person, and she, she looks at me, and she, because we had a girl, we didn't know what this one was, and she said, what if it's not a boy? And I answered, just, I mean, like a normal person. There was nothing, there was nothing excited about it, just what do we do if, if it's not a boy? What I didn't know when I was giving my answer was that at the very moment I answered, evidently one of those birthing pain contractions thing was happening, and she was in extreme pain, I guess. And, 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 and I answered and said, in just a calm voice, I said, if it's not a boy, we'll have another one. <laughs> Evidently, timing is everything. That was, that, was, that was not a good time to say we'll have another one. And this little sweet woman, I mean, she's gentle, she's sweet. She grabbed me by the collar. She pulled me down to her face and with a voice I'd never heard before. She said, if we have another one, you're going to have it. So we had two kids. That's it. We were done. But birth's radical. And, 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 and just like it is in, 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 in the natural world, I think Jesus used that word being born again because he wanted us to understand there's a process. You know, there's, there's that conception, and for conception in the spirit, being born again is that moment when in your mind you, you actually began to think, you know, maybe, maybe that, that seed's planted, and you, you begin to think, maybe this is really real. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe Jesus really is who these guys say to. And it might be because they've heard the preaching of the word, or it might be just because they saw how you lived your life. Well, she, she really does what she says, and she says it's because of Jesus. It, that might be what, what plants that seed. And so uh, that conception happens, and then, then there's a time where we're formed in our mother's womb, and I believe in their mind there's a time that they go through where they began to seek out and to hear, and they start hearing. Some people it's short, some people it's long. Uh, I didn't know this. I thought, I thought every pregnancy was exactly nine months long. I mean, I thought, you know, it's like a clock. You know, it says nine months, it's going to happen. So, and especially, I, I've, I discovered a lot of times a woman on the second child takes less time. Not Janet, she took longer. She took, but, but you know, it, it, so we never know exactly how long that time is. I do think this, we need to be careful during that time that we don't just try to hurry up and get them to pray a sinner's prayer. We don't need to rush that because we don't want to abort the baby. I think we've done that in America. We've aborted a lot. We get them to hurry up and say a prayer. We pat them on the back, tell them they're a Christian. They walk out the door and we never see them again. And they live in their life however they want to. And because of a lot of the doctrines in the, in the United States today, they think, well, I got saved. I'm saved. And they go out and live like the devil. They didn't get saved, folks. You just told them they did. You aborted the baby. And so we have to be careful that we don't have that. But at some points, uh, you know, the labor pain begins. And some people, the resistance is more than others. Uh, we always hear those stories of those people who grab the back of the pew and just hang on to the back of the pew. Or, or maybe they stood at the back and it might have taken the first time they came and they waited till the last, the last song and they finally got to the front. But there has to come that point to where there's a birth that takes place. And, and, and that birth that takes place, there's, there's a confession going to take place. I don't, I'm, how many of y'all have been, I know all the mothers have been there when a baby was born, uh, but <laughs> how, how, many, how many of y'all have witnessed a, a, a birth? 
It's loud. Birth is loud. I, when that baby comes out, if he's not screaming, the nurses are screaming. You know, because they want that baby, they want that baby crying. They want, they want to hear that noise. It's, it's a loud experience. Well, when, when we get saved, there's something vocal going to take place. There's something vocal. The scripture tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 7, 11, it says, because if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, this isn't just, I think it, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confessed and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When you really get born again, when you really accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you stop being your own master, and you confess, he's my master now. You, just like the baby crying and breathing air for the first time, at the moment of, at the moment of birth, you're going to confess Jesus as Lord. It may not happen here. It, it may happen somewhere out there, but there's going to be a confession that Jesus is Lord, that he is my master, and things change. In fact, our spiritual location changes. Uh, in, 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 a nat in a natural birth, the baby comes from the inside to the outside. There's birth that takes place. On, on spiritually, there's a change that takes place. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has become. The new has come. I want to tell you, birth is radical. You change locations. You change directions. And, and at birth, folks, this is when family needs them. You need family the most. At birth, you need family the most. We pray for those who are born with, you know, and, and then they don't have family. And so we've got to gather around and be family for them. But when you get someone saved in this church, they need family. A baby can't care for itself to start with. Am I right? A baby, a baby needs help. And sometimes, sometimes it's a burden. It, it's not easy. Moms, it's not easy to get up every two hours. Dads, it's, it's not easy when, when mom makes you go change that diaper, is it? <laughs> Your turn. Yeah, it's not easy. I never changed a dirty diaper until my grandson. And that's because after my kids were grown, I thought I could brag about never changing a dirty diaper. Then my kids were bound and determined with my grandkids, I was going to have to change a dirty diaper. So I have. But, you know, you participate. You're part of that structure. The whole family comes together to raise a child. But and the cool thing is, we have to realize, do you realize that the moment you got saved, you're no, you're no longer dominated by your sinful nature? Do, do you still have issues you have to deal with? Yes. Yeah, we, we grow. We're a baby. We grow, right? And then sometimes we're old. We still do stupid. But you've got to grow out of that. But at the very moment that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, your nature changes. In fact, in 2 Peter verses 1, 3 through 4, we find out that we're a partaker of his divine nature. My nature is not to sin as a Christian. Did you know that? We, we, we lean too much on that. Well, I'm only human. 
No, you're not. You're not only human once you're born again. You're, you're born again, spiritual, child of the king. There's more to that than just gimme, gimme, gimme. You're a child of the king. Your nature has changed. You are a partaker of his divine nature. When you sin, it's because you want to. Well, it was an accident. Well, you kind of fed that a bit. You kind of, that, that's just like people who, who, who participate in, I, I warn people all the time, people who wind up, the, the, the big thing that's happening nowadays in our world is, is families breaking up and people cheating on their spouses and stuff. That doesn't just happen, folks. You want it. You start thinking about it. You let that mind and that imagination start dwelling on these and you feed it with all kinds of other stuff. But when we sin, it's because we want to. We make that decision. We're, how, how do you overcome that? I, I, my personal belief in how I overcome that is I become part of a church family. I build a relationship with you to where I trust you. And I say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with some stuff right now. And I'm able to talk to you because I know you're not going to tell anybody else. It's going to be me and you, family, just like you were with family. Just like with my little sister. When she, she, she guess what I did? Don't tell daddy. Only daddy here already knows. But, but you got to, we had that, so sometimes I helped her get out of a bind. My, my sister did a lot of stuff. She was, she, was, she was like a little brother, only she would see what I did and she would take it to an extreme, you know. And I'm like, okay, 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 we can fix this. We can. The one time I had to push her off the roof, but we fixed it. You know, see, mom, mom didn't catch her on the roof, right? So, uh, but... We come, that's where this family, that's where this, this fellowship is more important. That's why you need to come to church. You don't come to church just so people can see you. You don't come to church just so, well, God won't be mad at me this week. You don't come to church, and you might not like this. I mean, you, you don't come to church just so God will like it. You don't just come to church so God will appreciate what you're doing. It's not all about God. Some of it is about the guy sitting next to you because God wants you to help him. If we really want revival, I believe this with all my heart, we better get our act together on the inside. We need to become family again. And, and I said it a while ago, and y'all may, like I said, some people may disagree, but you can't become a part of this family just because you, you, you show up. You come a part of this family when you're born again. But when you're born again, you become part of this family. You need to act like it. That's not even in my notes. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling a Curtis now. So um, choosing this family is not going to be enough. Now, we'll tell you this. Choosing to be a friend of this family is still a good thing. We want friends of the family to come. Because eventually they'll want to be part of the family, right? We want all the friends of the family. And there's benefits to being friends of the family. Even during worship, you might feel the emotion and, 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 and have that emotion that affects you. Uh, even when things are going good and you hear good reports, you may be, feel good to be a part of that. Uh, so you can be blessed by being that. But at some point, we need you to be born again. We need to make that commitment that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen? Pastor, come on up. 
Thank you, Dwayne. Good word. It's important to be part of the family, right? It's important to be born. And if, if you're not, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I would love for you to come talk to, to me or Kenny or one of these guys that you see up on the platform or anybody in an honor bound. Best. We would love to talk to you about how to get to know Jesus, how to have that relationship with him. Would you stand this morning? Well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to meet out here in the Circle Drive, just out the, outside these doors. Also, if you are a biker, uh, Sarah Woody made some uh, bandanas for us that have the, the Calvary logo and says Biker Sunday. We'd love for you to take one of those. They're out here. It's just a free gift for you. They're out here on the table in the foyer. Uh, but we're going to meet out here at the bikes. We're going to do bike blessing, and then police are here to help let us out. Uh, so we can head to lunch. You guys are all welcome to join us at lunch. It's $15 if you do the buffet. If you order off the menu, it's just whatever the price is. Lord, we're so thankful today for a church family. We're thankful for our honor-bound family. Lord, we're thankful that we can come together and share the relationship that we have with you and build one another up, encourage one another, hold each other accountable, sometimes step on each other's toes. We're thankful that we have that, that you put that together. And Lord, I just pray that today you would help us. If there's any of us in this room that don't have a relationship with you, Lord, would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be able to leave this place until we find someone and ask them about that. Lord, if we're here and maybe we haven't been faithful to the church family and Oh, Lord, you're working on us. Lord, would you help us to take that step to be faithful? Lord, if we're a part of the church family, would you help us to reach out to others who aren't, who need that hope, to be your hands and feet extended to those out there so we can do that? Lord, I pray for all our brothers and sisters that are traveling today. Lord, I pray that you keep them safe, be with them. Lord, I pray for all of our friends who are getting ordained this week, the three from our church, and Wayne Knight and Tina getting ordained down in Oklahoma. I pray just a great blessing on them as they take that next step. Lord, I pray that you'd be with all of us. Lord, bless our church family as we go today. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our homes and our health, our relationships, our finances, Lord. Uh, Lord, help us to be your hands and feet extended to those around us. Send us to those who need you. In Jesus' name, amen.